We are now almost finished with our series exploring the stories of unsung sheroes in the book of Luke. Stories about women in the Bible are a mixed bag, and oftentimes we find what we came looking for, whether that's subjugation or liberation. But the Gospel of Luke has more stories about women than any of the other Gospels, and even though they don't always say exactly what I would like them to say, they do contain wisdom that I don't want us to miss. The first week, we affirmed that the women who funded Jesus' traveling ministry and managed the logistics were following the pattern of service that is set by Jesus himself. The second week, John Powers showed us how Jesus emancipated women who had been marginalized by physical illness, bringing them into the center of God's divine activity. Last week, we saw how Jesus chose to honor widows when he wanted to talk about persistence and generosity. And this week, we are going to talk about distraction and perfectionism. But first, we have to talk about Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a secular holiday, which means it's not a festival of the church. It's not related to Jesus or the saints or the church history. And I don't usually work secular holidays into our worship or into our liturgies, although we do often wind up mentioning them in our joys and concerns and our prayers. But I want to say a bit about Mother's Day this morning because it relates to the story we're going to read. Despite what Hallmark has made of this holiday, Mother's Day was not originally designed as a celebration of motherhood in general. It was started by one woman who was grateful for her own mother and thought there should be a national day where people are thankful for their own moms. As a mom myself, and because I have a mother who is worthy of honor and celebration and will be with us next week in worship, I think this is a great idea. But as Christians, we want to be careful. First, we want to be sensitive to other people's experiences. When we make this a holiday, lifting up motherhood in general instead of being thankful for our specific mothers, it too easily sounds like motherhood is the bestest, most importantest thing that a woman could do. That's not found in the Bible, nor is it supported by Christian history. And it does not reflect the experience of millions of women in the world who choose not to have children, who can't have children, or who have children and feel an equally strong calling by God to their vocations. We also want to remember that this holiday is going to be hard for some people who are grieving the death of their mother or are grieving that their mother was hurtful to them. Being sensitive to other people's experiences doesn't mean we can't ever mention Mother's Day or that we shouldn't celebrate it. It just means that we need to be aware that our feelings about Mother's Day are not shared by everyone in the world. So first, we want to be sensitive to other people's experiences. Second, we want to be aware of how the meanings of our secular holidays creep into our theology. So most of the images of God in the Bible are masculine. We think immediately of father, of king, of husband, 
So whenever we try to uncover and reclaim the feminine images and characteristics of God, we usually default to a mother image. And there's nothing wrong with that generally. We find that in the scriptures. But if that's the only feminine image we have of God, then we begin to unconsciously associate the value of being female with the ability or choice to be a mother. If God is a mother, this is how the argument goes in our heads, if God is a mother, then mothering is the most godlike thing women can do. And that is true, especially if we don't offer any other images of the divine feminine. Now, I know this is really nuanced, but you guys are good thinkers and this is important. So hang with me just for a couple more minutes. When we begin to poke at these ideas, we begin to see the ridiculousness of assigning gendered characteristics to God at all. The metaphors of father, husband, king, and mother are about relationship. They're about how we connect to God. The point of them is not the gender. We might even begin to see the danger of assigning specific characteristics to human genders as well. Here's what I mean. Kings have authority, but so do queens. So authority can't be inherently masculine. Mothers nurture, but so do fathers. So nurturing can't be inherently feminine. Teachers are male and female. Women collaborate well, but so do men. What we need to remember is that God includes, the person of God includes all our honorable characteristics. And God transcends all of our culturally created images. At this point, you may be saying, what the hallmark does this have to do with distraction and perfectionism and Mother's Day? And I'm so glad you asked, because my biggest pet peeve with Mother's Day is the sentiment of the cards. Because they're almost all about how much mom sacrificed to get me where I am today. Aren't they? Most of them. You know it's true because you bought that card or you got that card. Essentially, the cards are about us kids, what great lives we have, and how we have them because supposedly our mothers ran themselves ragged for us and never thought of themselves. I'm exaggerating a little bit to make my point, but not by much. This reflects the standard that we have for mothers in our culture. Because Father's Day cards don't sound like that. They don't. Father's Day cards are about how much dad taught me, or provided for me financially, which is a whole different sermon. The standard of abject selflessness that we have for mothers is unhealthy. For everyone. It's unsustainable. And frankly, it creates a tremendous amount of pressure and shame because we are never doing enough. Now that sense of never being good enough or never doing enough, that's not unique to mothers, is it? Many of us walk around in the world with that fear. Many of us are bound by the tyrannical chains of perfectionism, which finally brings me to our text this morning. 
as we consider the standards set for women, especially mothers, and as we confront the demons of distraction and perfectionism, we are going to hear the story of Martha and Mary. This is the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I'm reading mostly from the Common English Bible with a few word changes for clarity. Here we go. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was distracted by serving. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and disturbed by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken away from her. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Here again, we have a story with women in the main roles, besides Jesus, of course. These women are sisters who share a house. And from this story, we don't know anything else about them. Another gospel mentions these same sisters and their brother Lazarus, but Luke doesn't include him in the story. These women have a lesson to teach us, and they don't need their brother involved in order to do it. In this story, notice, please, that Martha is the host. She is the one welcoming Jesus into her home. She is the one serving. Same word we've heard before. Serving is what Jesus does. Jesus came among us as one who serves. Martha is serving. She is doing a good thing. Her sister Mary, in contrast, is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teaching. This is the physical position of a disciple. Disciples sit at the feet of their teacher and learn. The other times that we hear this phrase, someone was sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning, it's always about men. But here we have a woman, disciple, listening to and learning from this five-foot-four, brown-skinned, Palestinian Jewish rule breaker. Please don't imagine Mary in this fawning, groveling position here. There was likely a whole crowd of people, many disciples, sitting at the feet of Jesus in that house. Definitely men, maybe other women, including Mary. So Jesus is teaching, Mary is listening, but Martha is distracted. Literally, the word says she is drawn away from Jesus' teaching by her service, which is ironic, isn't it? Martha is drawn away from the words of Jesus because she's doing the work of Jesus. And here we have the spiritually fatal temptation of all the doers in the world. Those of us who love to accomplish things, those of us who fear that perhaps our value to our families or our communities is tied to how much we produce for them, those of us who can't sit still, those of us who feel like there's something fundamentally wrong when we aren't working, 
We are the Marthas of the world. I am right there. This is me. I know I have people out there. This story reminds us that we have to stay tuned in to the words of Jesus in order to do the right work of Jesus. Otherwise, we might just do what we think is right. Martha is doing good things. She is doing things that probably need to be done when you have a house full of guests. She is doing things with the intention of honoring Jesus and blessing those in her home. Good things. But in that moment, she's not doing the right thing. The good things we think we need to do are sometimes a distraction from the right thing. The one thing that our soul longs to do. And right here is where I'm going to steer your brain cars away from the sheer cliff of perfectionism. Because this is not a sermon about how all the good things that you are already doing are still not good enough. Seeking the right thing beyond the good things is not about seeking perfection. Perfectionism is a trap. It is designed by the enemy of our souls. Perfectionism actually makes us less effective for the kingdom. Believe me, I should know I'm speaking from experience. Perfectionism first distracts us, then it discourages us, and finally it paralyzes us. Perfectionism is not of God. God does not ask us to be perfect. God asks us to seek. God asks us to try. God asks us to do. God asks us to love. God draws us on towards wholeness, but God does not ask us to be perfect. This is not about perfectionism. This in this moment for Martha is about discernment. It's about knowing the right thing to do in that moment. Sometimes there is service to do. Active, necessary, God-honoring service as Jesus modeled for us. And sometimes there is sitting to do. The challenge for us as followers of Jesus is to know when it's time to serve and when it's time to sit. And unfortunately, there is no formula that will always tell us exactly when to do which one. Because one is not always right and the other one is not always wrong. We should have Mother's Day cards that celebrate something other than the frenetic selflessness of mothers who are plagued by perfectionism. Because it is not always right for us to serve. But also, it is not always wrong for us to serve. The best guidance for discernment, for knowing the right thing to do in the moment, the best guidance the Bible gives us about this comes from another gospel. And here's this great connection. Jesus gives this guidance for discernment in a speech where he's talking about worry which is the same word that he used when he sympathizes with Martha. He says she is worried. He sees her worry. Jesus' guidance for discernment, for avoiding the worry of life, is this. Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. Ask yourself in that moment, 
How do my options in this moment line up with God's kingdom? Which of these things will bring wholeness? I know it sounds cliche, but literally you can ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Because Jesus served a lot of people, but he also went to a lot of parties and hugged a lot of babies and took a lot of naps. And when you aren't sure what to do, pause. Breathe. Actually ask God to guide you. And wait for a minute to see what feels right. First, seek the kingdom. Try to make wholeness and love your main concern. And gradually you will grow in your ability to discern when to serve and when to sit. Jesus does not chide Martha for her work. I do not think that's what's happening. He does not say that the work doesn't matter. In fact, he sympathizes with her feelings. She is worried and deeply troubled. And what Jesus offers her in that moment is to just stop. Just stop. Jesus invites her to sit, to take a load off of her feet and her mind, and to join her sister, to listen, and to trust that somehow everything is going to be fine. It will get done. But in this moment, he wants her to have the right thing, the better thing. What an invitation for Martha, for moms, for all doers and perfectionists. Sometimes we just need to stop and listen and trust that as we sit at the feet of Jesus, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Amen.